Jesus made four amazing statements about truth, all of them found in the Gospel of John. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 32. Sanctify them by thy truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. And then the final one, Jesus said to Pilate, the Roman governor who was trying him. Pilate was concerned that Jesus had been called a king, a king that might be a threat to his own kingdom, his own rule. But Jesus denied that. He told him this. He said, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. John 18, 37. Jesus was all about the truth. He knew the truth which he brought into the world could change a person's life for eternity. The Apostle John said Jesus was full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. Learning the truth about ourselves and God opens the door to receive Grace through Jesus Christ. Jesus was right. The truth will set us free. So what is truth? How can we know the truth? We have to find the truth if we want to live forever with God. In our world today, relativism is very popular. What is relativism? No, relativism is not getting along well with your relatives, like your cousin or your grandmother. Relativism is the belief that everything is relative to everything else. It is the belief that truth changes for different people in different times and places. Relativism says that truth depends on our circumstances or even on our feelings. Relativism says that truth revolves around us, that everyone has the freedom to choose what they want to think and believe without judgment or fault. Understandably, this view has become widely accepted today. It sounds good. It sounds pleasing. I can do what I want to do. I can believe what I want to believe. I can have my own set of truth. Is truth, in fact, relative? Is all truth relative? Or are there truths that never change? This morning, we come to our fourth question in questions that deserve an answer. Why do you say truth never changes? The question this morning is actually the question of absolute truth. Is there truth that never changes? If so, how can we know what that is? Some people claim that all truth is relative. They say that nothing is absolute. In this view, there is no unchanging reality. Everything is subject to change. Relativism claims that all values, beliefs, and lifestyles are equally valid. Because no truth trumps all other truth. In relativism, there are no moral absolutes, no standards by which we can decide if some action is positive or negative, right or wrong, good or bad. The problem with relativism is simply this. It doesn't work. It doesn't pan out. It isn't true that everything changes. Some things might change, but not everything. Some things can be counted on to stay the same. 
Michael Hodnick said this, if there is no absolute truth, no standard of right and wrong that we are accountable to, then we can never be sure of anything. People would be free to do whatever they want, murder, rape, steal, lie, cheat, etc. And no one could say those things would be wrong. There could be no government, no laws, and no justice because one could not even say that the majority of the people have the right to make and enforce standards upon the minority. A world without absolutes, he said, would be the most horrible world imaginable. Pure relativism doesn't make sense. Pure relativism doesn't work. So what is absolute truth? Absolute truth is truth that is true at all times and in all places. It is something that is always true, no matter what the circumstances. It is often a fact that cannot be changed. There are many, many examples of absolute truth, some of them very simple, some of them a little more complex, some are philosophical in nature, some are just physical facts. For example, there are no round squares. <laughs> there are also no square circles. The angles of a triangle always add up to 180 degrees. I'm sorry if this sounds like math class or something. These facts are all true by definition. You'd say this is what it is. This is how it's described. The other things don't fit that. Physical laws like gravity also apply here. If you don't believe in gravity, just try jumping off the table and suspend yourself in midair. You'll soon see that you're wrong. What are some other examples of absolute truth? Well, animals must have water and food in order to survive. If an airplane runs out of fuel in flight, it will fall to the ground. If you stick your hand in a fire, you will be burned. If you try to walk on water, you will sink. These are all absolute truths. You, what are you going to do about them except acknowledge them? By the way, did you hear about the rabbi, the priest, and the pastor who went fishing? Soon after they got out in the middle of the lake, the rabbi decided he needed to go to the shore to go to the bathroom. So he got out of the boat, walked across the water to shore, and then came back. Well, the priest hardly noticed, but the pastor was absolutely amazed. He didn't say anything because he didn't want to come off as less spiritual than the other two, but he was amazed. A short while later, the priest decided he needed to go to shore also. So just like the rabbi, he climbed out of the boat, walked across the water up to the shore, and then came back. Again, the pastor couldn't believe his eyes, but he still didn't say anything. Well, after a while, he couldn't wait any longer to go to shore himself. <laughs> so he thought to himself, if they can do it, I can do it too. He stepped out of the boat and immediately went under. He reached back to grab the side of the boat while the other guys were laughing, highly embarrassed by the whole incident. And then it was that the rabbi turned to the priest and he said, do you think we should tell him where the rocks are? Now, that's pretty funny, but there's a point to my story. There are rocks in life to walk on, and it's a good idea to know where they are. Certain things are true, and they will always be true, and we can actually count on them to be true in every time and in every place. Dr. Patrick Zucharin from the Evidence and Answers Apologetics Ministry says that absolute truth has certain qualities or characteristics that we must recognize. Let me just share four of them with you. First of all, that absolute truth is discovered or learned. It is not invented. You can come up with it yourself 
But you discover this. You learn this. Secondly, absolute truth is unchanging, no matter the time or the place. So you can insert it into this place and that place and this geography and that geography, and it's still going to be true. Thirdly, absolute truth cannot be changed by our beliefs or our perspectives, no matter how sincere we may be. We can be sincerely wrong because this truth still stands. Absolute truth, fourth, is grounded in a source that is unchanging, a source that is sovereign over creation. The Creator Himself made things this way. These truths will stand the test of time. Relativism, also known as subjectivism, says that while what one person regards as true depends on their subjective experience or perspective, thus the name. This means that what's true for one person may not be true for another person because people never see things exactly the same. I wonder how far is America willing to take this idea? We know that this is gaining steam. We know that more and more people are believing relativism or subjectivism. How far are we going to let things go before we realize how ridiculous such a concept or idea is? If we truly think that truth is based on someone's opinion or someone's feelings, we're going to be in deep trouble, aren't we? In fact, we already are. All you have to do is watch the evening news to know how crazy things become when anyone and everyone thinks they know what is best for us. You know, this is my opinion. It must be right. I know what we should do. All you have to do is turn on CNN and watch the members of Congress debate anything in order to realize that no solutions are found in this way and nothing gets done. Things are a mess out there. Our nation is more polarized than it's ever been, and it's because everyone is doing their own thing instead of finding out what the truth is. And we're in trouble. Is there any evidence for the existence of absolute truth? Yes, there is. I'll share three. First, there is the human conscience. You and I have a conscience, something inside of us that tells us that the world should be a certain way. It tells us that some things are right, some things are wrong. Our conscience convinces us that, if something, that there's something wrong with suffering or starvation or pain or rape or evil. We just know this is not right. It also makes us aware, on the other hand, that love and generosity and compassion and peace are positive things for which we should strive, and our conscience is showing us these things. Now, tell me something. How did all of us know that it was wrong for George Floyd to die the way that he did? We all knew that. How was it that we all knew that? All of us were horrified to watch that video. And unless we each have a conscience which tells us what is right or wrong, how do we know that what happened to him was wrong? Why are we all outraged by his death? Because we know instinctively that taking the life of another person like that is wrong. We all knew it. Every human being. It cannot be tolerated or accommodated. Our conscience is evidence for absolute truth. Secondly, there's science. Now, it may surprise you to hear a preacher say that science is evidence for anything. But think about it for a minute. Science is simply the pursuit of knowledge, the study of what we know, the quest to know more. 
Therefore, all scientific study is founded upon the belief that there are objective realities existing in the world and that these realities are just waiting to be discovered. Without absolutes, what would there be for science to study? How could one know that the findings of science are real? The very laws of science are founded on the existence of absolute truth. There's something to be gained, something to be learned, and we're going to figure it out. And that's what pure science is looking for, without filter, without personal opinion, and without prejudice. Science is evidence for the existence of absolute truth. The third evidence is religion, man's pursuit of God. All the religions of the world try to give meaning and definition to life. Nearly every culture has multiple religions. They are the result of man's desire for something more than simple existence. Humans are driven to seek God and truth and answers to our deepest questions. Religion is evidence that mankind is more than just a highly evolved animal. He knows instinctively that there is more to life than eating, sleeping, and trying to survive in this dog-eat-dog world. Man pursues the God that he knows exists. Something inside him says there is a God. And fortunately for man, God wants to be found. God wants to be found. God reveals himself and his will. God has has chosen to reveal His truth in His Word, the Bible, and even in His Son, Jesus Christ. So this morning, what do you believe? Is there absolute truth, truth that never changes? Are you sure you really believe that? Are you consistent in your conviction about that? Now, press to this extreme, I doubt that any of us really thinks that all truth changes. Most likely, people only think that some truth changes in different times and places. Dr. David Reagan says that in his experience, those who insist absolute truth does not exist really believe that it does not exist in only two areas of life, namely sexual morality and religion. Reagan says that people reject absolute truth regarding sexual activity because they desire to be promiscuous and do not want to be held accountable. But absolute truth applies to sex. The Word of God proclaims that the only sex that is acceptable to our Creator is between a husband and wife. All other forms, whether fornication, adultery, bestiality, pedophilia, or homosexuality, all are immoral and thus a sin against God. God has spoken. On this, Dr. Reagan continues, the rejection of absolute truth regarding religion has become a modern day fad that is often expressed as there are many roads that lead to God. This statement is not only biblically untrue, it is also logically nonsensical. Let's take Islam and Christianity as an example. Christianity affirms that Jesus was the Son of God, that He was God in the flesh. Islam flat denies that. Christianity teaches that there is one God in three persons. Islam denies that. Christianity teaches that salvation comes by grace through faith as a gift of God. Islam teaches that salvation must be earned through good works. Opposites. Islam teaches that Jesus did not die on a cross, nor was He resurrected from the dead. Christianity affirms both of these events as historical facts. So you see, they can't be both right. To be logically, 
logically correct, and you have to say both Christianity and Islam could be wrong, but it is logically impossible to assert that both of them are true. We can't just say there are many roads that lead to God, all of them equally valid. Now, Jesus said the truth will set you free. Let's think about that for a few minutes. What did he mean, the truth will set you free? To figure that out, we have to go back to the place where Jesus first said it. John chapter 8, verse 32. So if you have a Bible, you can turn over to that passage with me. John 8, starting with verse 31 here in just a moment. Now, I want to explain some things, even going back to the beginning of this chapter. That during the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry, leading up to his death, Jesus had a series of confrontations with the Jewish authorities. Most of it happened in the temple area in Jerusalem. John 8 begins with them setting a trap for Jesus by bringing before him a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand humiliated before Jesus and basically asked him, what should we do with a sinner like this woman? The law says that she should be stoned to death. What do you say? And Jesus didn't answer right away. He got down, wrote some things on the ground. And then finally he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Now I always wondered, what did he write on the ground? And I always imagined that he wrote down the truth. He wrote down the truth. He wrote down some of the sins of the very men standing there accusing this woman of sin. And then Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Could you imagine the effect of that? Once the truth had registered, he knew the truth, he was speaking the truth, and they heard the truth or saw the truth, and then they were confronted by that truth. All of them, it says, went away, starting with the oldest ones first. Jesus sent them all away, ashamed of their own sins, rather than standing in criticism over this poor woman. And then Jesus asked the woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, sir. And then Jesus said the truth. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. The truth had set her free. Now, embarrassed by this event, John 8 continues his story. The Pharisees came back day after day to give Jesus a hard time. He kept insisting that he was from God, that he was on God's mission, but they doubted his authority. They doubted his credibility as a prophet of God. And for several days, this contentious conversation with Jesus continued. And at the end of it, they tried to stone him to death. That's in verse 58, last verse. Now, the people... The Jewish people were caught in the middle of this conversation all week long. Some of them believed in Jesus, and some of them did not. Many of them were amazed at Jesus' teachings and listened, listened to him with rapt attention. But their faith was weak, and by week's end, most of them turned their backs on him and agreed that he should be crucified. Still, however, some of the Jews believed in him truly, although their faith was imperfect and incomplete, just like ours might be. Jesus appealed to these people that they may discover the truth that would set them free. John 8, 31 says this, To the Jews who believed him, 
Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What Jesus said that day was one of the greatest things ever said about truth. He said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Jews took pride in their heritage. They took pride in their nation's status with God, even though they were occupied by an ungodly Roman Empire. They were so deceived by their pride that they made a ridiculous statement. We have never been the slaves to anyone. Had they forgotten what happened to them in Egypt? How they had been slaves there for hundreds of years? Couldn't they even see the situation they were in right then? Occupied by Rome? They needed the truth. And so Jesus gave it to them. He said, anyone who has sinned has been a slave to sin. Sadly, most of them didn't do anything with that statement of truth. They stayed with the lie that they'd been telling themselves, that they already had everything right with God. They didn't need anything that Jesus had to offer them. But what about you today? Do you know the truth? If you do, have you allowed that truth to set you free? Jesus promised that you and I can be set free from sin and its ravages, death and hell. We just need the Son, the Son of God, Jesus, to set us free. And He does that with the truth. Do you know the truth about yourself? Do you know the truth about your sin? Do you know the truth about your need for God? Do you know the truth that Jesus is that one way to be forgiven and to get back to God? If you do not know the truth, would you like to learn more? Would you like to know more? We'd be glad to talk further with you. Just fill out a connection card if you're watching online. Ask for more information. Ask your questions and get an answer. Our prayer is one day that all of us will know the truth and that the truth will set us free. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that has shared with us that which we could never have known without the Word. That you have revealed your heart to us. You have revealed truth to us that changes us forever. We thank you for truth that doesn't change, for truth that stands the test of time, that is true in every place, in every culture, in every setting. We thank you that we can count on you to give us the truth and to be the truth that we need. I thank you for everyone that is listening today uh, that our hearts would be listening without prejudice, without feelings that keep us from really hearing, without voices of other people, other ideas, drowning out the truth that is there. 
We thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunities we have to share the truth with others. Now that we've received the truth, now that we have had our lives changed by Jesus, and while we're still learning and growing and becoming more what you want us to become, that we are given opportunities to speak the truth into someone else's life. Help us to do that kindly. Help us to do that gracefully, but to speak and to live the truth that we've been given. Thank you for the opportunity today to worship you. We pray that you would strengthen and guide each of us as we go out into this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.